So with, uh, with this, I, I don't really have any expectations on how this is going to go. Um, just kind of seeing what happens, uh, meeting new people, um, seeing where those relationships build and grow, um, and really just an overall learning process on what to do and what not to do. Um, and hopefully during this recording, um, really just, uh, find out who I am and what, what really inspired people to move forward. Um, I like the ability to move people forward and knowing what makes that possible so all right i'm sitting here with dylan osterhout dylan welcome thanks um so dylan tell us about what you do um well i uh i own a property management company here in town called uh, rei management real estate investment management i own uh um, another company called Investment Systems. We focus on uh, commercial investment property through Northwest, and yeah, and then do some run a team that uh, does a lot of residential real estate in the Helena area as well. How long have you been doing that for? Uh, about fifteen, um, twelve years probably. Twelve years. Mm-hmm. All right. How like how did you get into it? Um, I got into um, real estate because I was bartending and I saw a guy who had a nice shirt on and a nice car and and I wanted to be like that guy. So I said, what do you do? He says, I sell real estate. So uh, um, probably not the best reason to get into a business, but um, I got into it and really enjoyed it. Um, That was about 2005. Like before that moment, were you like ever? I want to sell real estate, cars, whatever. Like, was that ever part of your life? Um, well, I've always always a salesman at heart. I think um, my original, my first sales experience was uh, was probably I bought an eighth of weed from a guy who lived down the street, and he. And he and it was really dry, so it was a lot. And then I sold it, made, made doubled my money, and I think that was my first um, experience in sales. So, how old were you? Uh, I was probably thirteen. So, at heart, from a very young age, you knew that you were an entrepreneur. Yeah. You had entrepreneurial behaviors. Well, I wouldn't say I knew that. I said I was drawn to it, though. I was drawn to. Pretty much what I thought in my mind was going to be easy money. Okay. You know, what I thought it was. So, <clears throat> now, today, you know, your life is going pretty good. What has owning your own businesses given you the luxuries of? Oh, man. I think, you know, the big reason why I started this is the freedom of time. To be able to focus um, my, my energy on... Um, anything I wanted to, 100% anything I wanted to at any given time in my life. And that was my goal. 
um, was to free up time mostly. So what I do now is, I mean, I love to, I love to play basketball, I love to work out, I love to ski. Um, I like to snowmobile, we're leaving on a little snowmobile trip tomorrow. Um, I just like the, pretty much it's less about the money of why I wanted to become an entrepreneur, more about the freedom of time. Mm-hmm. That's why I wanted to get in more into that side of the business. So, you know, I've known you for three years, just recently started to get to know you, and in that time time period, you're all over the place. You're in Oregon, you're going to Yellowstone, what, you got another trip in Phoenix, like what? What do you got planned? What have you done in the last year, like traveling? Oh, man. Uh, Last year. Um, Been to Hawaii. I've been to... um, Oregon, we did a big golf trip over in Oregon, which was great. Um, Phoenix, I spent a couple weeks in Phoenix. Um, just getting out of the cold weather of last year. Um, yeah, I travel around the state a lot. Um, some of it's works, some of it's a lot of it's pleasure. Um, but yeah, I just like to be adventurous, try new things. Um, and um, I think just the businesses have, have helped me achieve those. Um, a lot of love to ski every weekend. Um, every other weekend, I say we do something. Love hot springs. I try to hit up as many of the hot springs as I can. Um, and there's a couple I liked where you don't have any cell phone service, so my work can't follow me. I can stay focused on, on just um, staying in the moment and being where my hands are at instead of being distracted by work or phone calls these damn iPhones and cell phones all around oh yeah it uh, not very often um, am I out without a cell phone Um, and last summer uh, because of my own choices I didn't have a phone when I was in Vegas and even though my life sucked then it was very nice not having a phone Um, very nice so Um, are you going through any personal struggles right now that you want to share oh man always I guess Um, there's always struggles that uh, I think I go through I think one um, that I'd say I'm focused on today is really learning about my authentic self who I really am um, what I really want um, where are my true goals and what is, and I feel that there's a conflict on who society thinks I should be or who I'm told who I should be and who I was born to be and what's the most, um, what's the most, um, way to understand that and to sift through those, those conflicts of, of what uh, society thinks I should be and what I am. Um, and I'm learning a lot. And I'm just taking processes about what that is because I feel that when I am acting in my authentic self, I feel that it is a lot... Um, life's a lot, a lot easier and a lot less... Um, it just takes a lot less effort to find peace and serenity. Um, so yeah I'd say that to answer your question I'd say that that's probably something I'm struggling now is you know 
what have I presented myself as? And is that who I really am? You know. And do you find that true? Um, I think sometimes, yeah. And I think it's clearing away more of that throughout time and throughout being aware of the awareness of who I am and, and who I and who I think I am. And the only way to really see that is by putting that um, putting that on paper and looking at it, you know, and inventorying that, you know, who am I? What am I? What's, why do I do these things that I do? And looking at that, what's the behind those things? So would you say one of your habits is like journaling either every night or every morning? Yeah, as far as habits go that I do, um, I focus a lot on, um, um, I try to journal regularly. Again, I don't. Um, I don't do anything consistently. Yeah. Um, maybe brush my teeth, and that's a that's a maybe. Brush my teeth consistently. <laughs> so, is that a reason why you're single? You don't brush your teeth. <laughs> that is a re probably a reason why I'm single today. Um, yeah, well, I journal a lot. Is one of my habits. I try to stay. Um, I try to focus a lot on my spiritual uh, spiritual habit that I use. I meet with a group of people, and we. Um, to keep my spiritual health fit, um, I try to stay. I try to stay active. I try to keep a, a habit of working out. I do a cardio class, and then I also do some strength training um, by myself. Um, um, other habits that I have: reading. I think reading um, is is a great habit that I've developed over the past five years, and um, Staying in that because it really keeps me in new knowledge and always growing and always staying, you know, my mind sharp and those type of things. So I, th I think I keep, I try to get a good mix of mind, body, and spirit, you know, like how do I keep all those, those sharp and, and, uh, and, and again, I think one of the benefits of that is never getting too attached to one individual way of keeping all those sharp. Um, I like to be diverse in how I'm getting my spirituality, how I'm getting my physical um, fit, and how I'm keeping my mind fit as well. Yes. Um, I think keeping your mind fit is very, very, very important. Um, you know, we've talked about, we've read some of the same books. Well, I know we talked about this morning, Robert Kiyoski, um, and we have the same interest in stuff like that uh you know who, who's your favorite authors like what if you, you know oh man favorite author that's that's a that's a tough question i think it all just depends on where i'm at in my life um the book that um i just finished reading and i think i told you about this previously robert is uh it's called the mastery of love it's written by don R Ruitz, I think is how you pronounce his last name, Don Miguel. Um, and that was a really, and I really like his, some of his Toltec ways of looking at things. Um, I'm not attached to any one specific religion. I like to look at them all. And, and uh, um, so I like that book. Um, you know, there's a couple other big spiritual books that I like to read. I love Robert Kiyosaki's stuff. Um, you know, I wouldn't say I'm too picky on uh, anything. I love, well, big change, a big author that had a huge change in my perception 
on life is uh, Brene Brown's The Power of Vulnerability. Um, pretty much a lot of the stuff she's written is really her outlook on, on shame and, and that type of stuff has been great. Yeah, that's helped me a lot. You know, I uh, actually today I was watching a TED Talk of uh, Brene Brown of the power of vulnerability. Um, and it was really interesting, um, which it made me, you know, to get ready for this, I was like brainstorming all like ideas, like what, what am I going to ask? Because I've been sitting there and just sitting, like what, what am I going to do? And I felt like, you know, if I could, you know, forget um, small talk, let's get into big talk. Like what, like, yeah, okay, your kids are nice, whatever, but what, what's going to be the connection be? What, what's important there? And uh, I think Brene Brown, and I totally forgot the other girl's name. It's some Asian chick, but she, listening to those two, it, uh, one, helped me connect with people on a whole different level. Um, like, before I started watching TED Talks, I could not connect to, like, anyone. Like, it, like, I thought I was, like, retarded. Like, I just sit in a room, and I, and I can't have a conversation with anyone. And, like, from the power of that TED Talks and other stuff like that, I learned from that, because I can listen. Like, I, if you... If I'm reading something, like I can't um, comprehend what's going on. I have to hear it. So unless I'm reading out loud, then for me to hear it, then I can digest it and comprehend what's going on. So I think, um, but Brene Brown, had, um, listening to a couple of her TED Talks, it, it's pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah, and, and what I really love about Brene Brown is, and I think you touched on this a lot, is that connect, the connectivity that we try to have and that we want from each other and like how come some people can have this no shame and this wholeheartedness that she talks about and how come some people can't and there's no connectivity there and and sometimes you'll feel like you're in a room of people and feel absolutely alone mm -hmm. and i felt that way i've been through that and that's what helped a lot through this journey of of bettering myself um and it was through some really dark times in my life that, that helped me try to search for this. And it was through this, this hopeless state of mind that I have that I was starting that made me reach out for things to grow because I didn't want to live like that anymore. I, didn't wanna, I wanted a different way of life. And that connectivity it, it was so powerful when I first read Brene Brown's TED Talk uh, or first listened to her TED Talk. Um, man, I, I remember I started crying listening to this thing. I was like, this is powerful. I do that. This is me. I never really realized how full of shame I was. And thank God that that TED Talk started that recognition in me and then also gave me some solutions to it. And so I dove deep into this, what is this shame? How did I become into this shame? And how do I get out of this shame? And it really came into why I, and this is just me, this is my opinion of, of what that was. How did I get into this, this um, shame in the first place? Somewhere along the line, I didn't feel like I was good enough. So I had to develop this ego to make me feel whole, worthy, and good enough. Um, um, I had to make, and really, why, why didn't I feel good enough? Because I wanted to be loved and accepted. And somewhere along the line, maybe it was because my dad wasn't around when I was growing up, um, I didn't feel good enough. So I developed this thing of that I'm not good enough, which is built in shame. And uh, so I developed this ego and I kept feeding this ego. And then when you feed this ego, I, in my, 
in my sense, is when I feed this ego, this false self, away from my authentic self that I'm trying to find more about, um, this ego becomes, I start identifying that, I start becoming this ego. And this ego, when it's built on what I think you want me to be like, or what society wants me to be like, I'm never going to be good enough. So then I'm full of shame. And, and when I'm full of shame like that, the ego will keep feeding me things to keep me in that shame because my ego doesn't want to die. It wants to stay strong in me. And I'm so confused. I'm like, who am I? What am I? You know, Just what is this? Like a Camille? Yeah. Just blend into whatever? Yeah. And that's, and uh, God, I did that for years being like, oh, when I'm hanging out with this group of people, I'm going to be like this. When I'm hanging out with this group of people, I'm going to be like this. And I really just didn't know, didn't have a clear guideline of where I was going. And I think this happens a lot to 16-year-olds, and I think a lot of, this is when the drug use starts coming in heavily, you know, is the popularity, we start doing these things to become popular, and then drug use and alcohol starts becoming a huge part of a teenager's life to, to fit this in. ego, to yeah. fit in, you know. Yeah. And I think that's an epidemic that I think we're becoming more aware of, and I think it's becoming bigger at least I'm seeing it more and maybe it's just because I'm focusing on it more um, but with the, all the new drugs and the new ways the addiction kicks in so early when you were in high school were there high schoolers doing heroin oh uh, no yeah uh, like no. it's just getting progressively worse yeah like but they were still escaping in some way or yes, another yeah yeah you know, know it's definitely like booze and weed whatever it, it was there but like uh, I think it's just becoming more readily available. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, if it wasn't, you know, it, for me, it was whatever I get my hands on. It was like, I just wanted to escape this thing or whatever the guy I wanted to look like or the guy I was looking up towards was doing, I'll do what he's doing, you know? Yeah. The upperclassmen, and they're going to parties, so I better, if I want to be like those guys, I better go to parties. Sit them and show up like them? Yeah. And then oh. that's that chameleon that I'm always, that I'm always talking about. But then I get to that vulnerability spot, and that's the cure to my shame. Let myself be seen for, Brene Brown talks about it a lot, is let myself be seen for who I am today, what I am now. And if I can stay in that moment, then I can, uh, then I can one, become an observer of who I am today and watch me instead of just becoming reactive to what's going on around me. Mm. And I think that's been a huge part in this growth, and, and, uh, and it's made my businesses grow effortlessly. Like I'm not forcing them, and it and my businesses don't define me. Like I start bleeding when I'm my authentic self. I start bleeding my authentic self into my business. Do you have any business partners? Um, no. How I run my team though is they're all partners. Like every single, uh, and I don't want to call them employees. I just call them team members. So they're all partners in in the success that we have, and um, and how we get to that point of where I can call them partners is I. I help them make the vision. I, they are really involved in the making of the vision. You coach them along the way? Um, I think we communicate. Um, I know I really, in our businesses, I, it's not, uh, I'm better than you, I'm the boss, you're the employee. I try to keep away from that slave master mentality mm -hmm. of it and more we're all partners in it. Um, financially, am I on the hook for everything? Yes. So if that's the question you're asking, is, is there anybody financially that you are, that you're on the hook with um, in these businesses? No, there's not. But they're all partners. They're all business partners, everybody. Okay. You know, I don't, 
like this. And then they buy in, and when they're bought in there, you get much better work and much mm-hmm. um, than they're, they're bought into what the vision is. And it's their idea, and they take ownership in the business as well. They have a purpose. Yeah. It's not just showing up and doing the paperwork. Yeah. They actually feel a part of important, get more yeah, productivity. And yeah, and and they're bought into it. Like I keep saying this, they're bought into it. They're, and how do you get someone to buy in? You have to trust them. Um, and I'm glad we're talking about this because this goes back to what I learned from Brene Brown and that power of vulnerability is, is that how do you get trust? How do you build trust? And I think it's through that, um, through vulnerability. Like when you show me who you are, like I can trust you. Now I know you. Now I, now I can kind of have an idea of how your reaction is going to be like mm-hmm. this. And then that trust through that vulnerability builds this, builds this ability for, for us to be able to buy into this ultimate goal. For us to be able to say, hey, here's the ultimate goal. And if I tell you that I'm not buying into this ultimate goal, you're not going to fire me. I trust you. I know you. I know who you really are. And if, and, and, and I think for me to be able to do that, I need to know who I really am. Am I showing you the fake me today? Because that's what I'm in. Mm-hmm. And I'm in a negative condensation today. Then, then that's what it'll, um, then that'll bleed into them. And, they'll be, and then I won't get the real stuff from them. They'll, they'll be afraid to voice their opinion about um, a way they think the business should go. And I think it's, I want to, with, in all my businesses, I want everybody involved, including the outside company, like, help me d- design where we think we should go. Let's have this conversation. Let's not be afraid to have conflict. Um, Patrick, I think it's Leone wrote The Five Dysfunctions of the Team. And one of the base, base things in The Five Dysfunctions of the Team is trust. And if you don't have trust, everything you build upon that will crumble. That's your foundation in that. And, um, and the next step in that foundation is that lack of conflict. That's the next dysfunction. So being able to have trust will, will breed the idea of, um, of having healthy conflict. Like if we disagree on something, um, like let's have this conversation, especially if it's something where we're a team. If we're not a team and you're a competitor, I could just be like, oh, well, we disagree. Cool. I'm going to go my way. See you later. Yeah. Yeah. We're on the same team. Just because I like purple and you don't doesn't mean that we have to hate each other. Yeah, exactly. But can we come to a mix between those that we can both move towards? Mm -hmm. And without that conflict, without some healthy conflict, healthy disagreement, changes won't get made. Mm -hmm. If a change needs to be made and someone sees it and without that healthy conflict, they won't be able to buy in. If they can't voice what their opinion is, they may not be able to buy in. And if I have to change my vision, and that's what I'm trying to get them to buy into, I'm not trying to get them to buy into, but us to build together. And if they don't believe in the vision that I have, then they're not going to do it. They're going to try to steal. They'll try to take from the business. They'll feel like they're not getting their fair share because they're not being heard. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, then... Um, then they don't, then, then it starts becoming more into the ego. My, me, I, that selfishness, that self-centeredness, not we, us, not the vision. And so I always say my vision needs to be big enough 
to encompass encompass encompasses everyone else's vision underneath me or around me because if if I have an employee or a partner that doesn't um, that has a bigger vision than my vision what are they gonna do they're not gonna stick around they're gonna go somewhere else mm -hmm. so um, right now both of our businesses are going through a consultant right now to help us get a clear definition of what our vision is and it's not me saying hey here's our vision it's all of us sitting with this consultant who's a non-interested third party in what our vision is mm -hmm. um, that's going to help us divide this vision vision because I feel that without a vision and I've done this for many years Without a vision, I'm like saying, oh, over here, oh, over here, over, over here. And I'm saying, and I'm not saying once we get a vision in place, once we get a vision in place that we don't, that it's set in stone, it needs to be malleable and movable, you know. Um, so change is good. Yeah, I think change is phenomenal, yeah. I think that's the only for sure in our, in anything is that it's going to change. So do you have ever like a five-year plan and then by the six months it just changes? Yeah. Um, or do you not even set five-year plans? Um, we do and here's how we do it. Um, and this was through a, uh, a thing called career visioning that we took through, through Keller Williams. Um, and career visioning, they says, in five years from now, what would make you say my business is awesome. My job is awesome. My, my family life is awesome. And, and I let whoever I'm taking through this process pick the last two. And this is, again, not mine. And uh, let me be clear here. 90% of what I'm saying is not, is not a new thought of my own. This is just regurgitated stuff from, from a bunch of books and, yeah. a, and my own experience. So... Um, I'm not saying this is set in stone, and a lot of it's probably controversial, but um, I, let, I let our, I mean, I've taken a couple employees through this process, and what happens when you take them through that process of in five years, what would have to happen for you to feel awesome about it? And that could change, you know? And I just think the more that I stay aware of what's happening and where I'm at and give me some guidelines to shoot towards, you know, then, uh, then at least I'm getting the best I can. Mm -hmm. um, I am a spiritual person, and I do think that there's a God out there that, that is bigger than me, and I try to let him control what way we go. Um, but I still have to wake up every day. I still have to put my shoes on. I still have to take this, the next best step that I think's right and trust that God's guiding me through that mm -hmm. and do the things through my, through my spiritual, mental, and physical exercises that keep me focused towards those things. So, um, yeah, I don't really say, I really wouldn't say that we have an exact five-year plan. Um, I hope we will by the end of this consultant, but I have my five-year plan on what I think I want to be. And again, do I need to re-update this? Yes. Probably the last time I wrote a five-year plan was probably five years ago. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, and, and I, I just think really in a lot of those five-year plans and where the power is in those is if you are aware of what the plan is. Keep that in the forefront. Be aware of where you're at today. Um, and staying, and having a scoreboard. Like, here's where I'm at today in my business. Um, and we're working on this now is how many, 
Like, how do I break my five-year plan into daily actions? How many mm-hmm. phone calls do I need to make? How much new business do I need to come in? How much old business do I need to, can I re-bring back alive? And just keeping that scoreboard, in, and it's great. I look at it once, I make it, and then I never touch it again. Like, that's not healthy, that's not helpful. Um, what it is is looking at it daily. Get it into a daily routine and a habit, for me, is what works really well. So like everything idea that I come up with is how can I bring that into a daily habit or a weekly habit? Or, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and as far as habits go, I think in uh, Atomic Habits, they talk about um, attaching a habit to an already existing habit. And that's really hard for a guy that doesn't do anything consistently. Right? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know? How do I? I can sit on the couch and watch Netflix. Like that... Yeah. Like, that's consistent. Okay, so a perfect example of that is, and then I want a habit of doing 400 push-ups a day. Well, in between each episode, while I'm Netflix binging, I can build a habit of doing, you know, 50 push-ups. Yeah, I'm I'm more prone to doing unhealthy habits than healthy habits. (laughs) Me too. So let's let's even attach a... A uh, healthy habit to an unhealthy habit, you know. I, I think you just did the ex- perfect example yeah. of doing push-ups while watching Netflix, like. And then I think what happens when we do that, and I don't know this for sure. And again, I haven't read I haven't read this book, Atomic Habits, um, and I think and I've heard that they talk about this in that book. But um, let's say, for example, that we get into this um, habit of smoking a cigarette in the morning, and if we do that smoking a cigarette in the morning and that being an oral fixation and understanding what that habit is like and can I attach also having a green smoothie with that habit and then at some point will that and now we're talking a chemical addiction here which which has a little bit more power of physical addiction mm-hmm. which may have a little bit more power than an addiction of a green smoothie right. you know what I mean <laughs> um, but uh, is moving that green smoothie into taking up more of that time of smoking that cigarette. And so I think I've said this to you before, Robert, is, is the analogy of a weed. When you pull a weed, and if you don't replace that weed with a flower, that weed will probably grow back, mm-hmm. right? You dig a hole and it fills up with water. If you don't refill that hole, the groundwater is gonna fill it back up with water. The next time it rains, it's gonna fill it back up with water, right? So we need to replace that, that, that void space of something we got rid of with something healthy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same thing with the thoughts in our mind. When we have negative thoughts that I've come to realize that I've had, which, and this is again me being vulnerable here, it was like I had never thought I was good enough. And that, that made me be a lot driven. So there were some really great things. Is I'm really driven because I never thought I was good enough. So I was like, I have to prove that I'm good enough. Hence this massive ego that, that, start, that started showing up. Um, and so I had to change that I'm not good enough thoughts with different thoughts. I had to replace them. Because I could be just obsessive about saying, no, you're good enough, no, you're good enough, no, you, right. know, you know. And I'm just obsessed in a negative way about, oh, I suck at not saying uh, yeah. I'm not good enough. Yeah. And in turn, that's just saying, I'm I just suck. reinforcing that I'm not good enough, yeah. right? So what am I doing and how aware of them am I of and how do I become aware of these habits and these thoughts and these things that I say to myself? Um, I really think through 
writing them down. I really think through taking a look and, and having help from others to help look at me. You know, because what I think I am may be completely different to what you think I am. And especially if someone like me who always says I'm not good enough, um, that I won't even pay any attention when someone says something nice to me or something good about me. You know, I'll pay no attention to that and I'll only focus on, so let's say for example, my business reviews, you get 400 business reviews. What's the one that sticks out in your mind? The negative. The negative one, right? Yeah. You know, so, and that's I just think natural that that happens that way. So I think we have to take effort to keep them on that more positive, positive way. So post in front of you your good reviews to replace that negative connotation of that bad review that you always have. You know. Now, do I think looking at yourself in a con constructive critic way, I think can be very healthy, just as long as we don't dwell in that. Because mm -hmm. we want to get better. The comparison to something better is always kind of good, but at what point am I becoming too attached to I'm not good enough or too attached to that negative belief? Like the anorexics in the mirror who has a six pack still thinking they're, and they're puking in the toilet. Mm -hmm. Like they're good enough, but their head says something else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's a great, great analogy of it is, is we don't know what we see, like, our brain is so freaking powerful that we have to be very aware of what's coming in and out of that thing, you know, because if it's steered the wrong direction for me, when I, when I, I can go down this rabbit hole of, of, of negativity quick. Perfect example of this. I was mowing my lawn, and I've said this, I think, to you before and to others. So I was mowing my lawn one day, and, and I finished the lawn. I put the lawnmower away, and the next day I come back and look at the lawn, and I missed this patch. And I had, I missed this small little patch of grass. And before I know it, I'm down this rabbit hole. I'm like, see, you suck. You can't even mow your lawn right. <laughs> and this is like, this isn't a conscious thought. This is a subconscious thought. Like my brain isn't really thinking. Yeah. That. yeah. And then I go inside and I'm all like negative about myself. And the aura around me is negative. My kids start crying. And I'm like, stop crying. And I'm negative to them. And then before I know it, day down the road I'm blowing up my life because I'm like I'm suck why even start a business why don't I shut it all down see I can't even run a business and all this this snowball started from a stupid missing a stupid little spot of grass so so what I've come to realize is that me alone with my own thoughts is a very dangerous place I I think someone says the mind is a dark place don't go in there alone you know um, don't go in there without a flashlight. And I call the flashlight my God or my higher power or whatever you want to call it. Um, and also, when I am not connected to my God or my higher power, I need others. I need help from others to see the things that I can't see because I'm in the darkness. So I need your light. I need to show other people who I really am. See me, look at me. And, and the more I can do that, the more I can show you who I really am and then you know what you're going to get. I think I've said this to you as well, is what's on my label? And is what's on my label really what's on the inside of the product, you know? Yeah, you have said that, yeah. So... I really like that one. Yeah. And kind of what that means is, and then I'm like, well, I don't even know what's on the inside, so how do I know what to put on my label? 
You know, what are my nutrition facts on the back of a bag of chips? You know, is that really what I'm getting? No. Why are we calling them nutrition facts? <laughs> there is no nutrition <laughs> yeah, facts. I'm kidding. Lay's <laughs> potato chips or whatever yeah. it may be. So, and so, like, I'm really working on being able to show people what I am today. Also with the idea that it'll change in a heartbeat and it could change in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. um, I think the only other thing that I would want to talk about here, Robert, would be... Um, um, would be the power of, and I'm glad that we talked about the, the vulnerability part, and what I've come, really come to, to realize is um, that um, through this stuff and this vulnerability and this stuff is why the wholehearted can do it in Brene Brown stuff, is they have this stuff called love. And this unconditional, no attached love to it for themselves, for others, for all people. Um, and I would really suggest that the fastest way to get to this love is through within us. It's never outside. It's never outside sources that give us this love. It's always an inside source where this love can come from. I have nothing to give unless I love myself. And for someone that was never good enough, never thought they were good enough, I had none. Like I was depleted. So I had to reach to relationships, money, things, outside sources to fill in this emptiness that only God could or love or that should come from within. And it worked. I mean, the outside sources, it worked until it didn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't sustainable. So, um, so do you have someone to share those moments with? Like your struggles, like your kids, family members, someone close, like, um, or do you just fight all those things alone? No, no, I'm. Uh, I try to stay vulnerable. <laughs> I mean, I'm probably the worst at it. I probably go out and tell people I shouldn't be telling about these <laughs> struggles, yes. you know. But but no, I do have a whole group of mentors that I feel that I've developed a lot of trust with through being vulnerable through. These, these trusting is through giving them a little bit at a time mm -hmm. you know and knowing that they they're not using it against me or or or, or hurting me with it like so guiding you, you in the right direction yeah and i trust their input mm -hmm. you know so yeah i have a ton of people i have uh spiritual sponsors that help me through it i have you know um people that i study other books with i have a handful and and the cool part about that is three years ago i had no one that i would do this it was all just me and then i got one and then i started being vulnerable i was like oh i didn't die like no one died after me telling you my stuff mm -hmm. like i didn't die i'm still here and you didn't and you didn't throw me under the bus and so i just become a little bit more vulnerable with another person every time now today three years later i have five or six that i can be honest with and the shame is gone. I'm not doing actions that I need to be shame, shameful about anymore. You know, so I have no problem telling about my past without any shame because that's not me anymore. I don't do those. And like I told you this morning is, you know, if we want self-esteem, and this was told to me, if you want self-esteem, Dylan, do esteemable actions. Mm -hmm. Do the things that are, and that's how you get self-esteem. And through self-esteem becomes self-love. Through self-love, and get your foot off your throat, they said to me. Like, you're not that bad. 
You're foot off back of your, uh, it's always the neck that I hear never the throat but I like that <laughs> yeah. and and I, that's what I do and and here's the thing is that's what I used to do and I still fall into those same habits but I'm a lot more aware and I have better tools to help me get through those like talking to people so you have a lot more self-awareness than you did just a couple of years ago yeah so and more to go what and a lot more to go yeah a lot think, more self-awareness i think we all do so before three years did you ever have like a mentor in business a mentor in this where you're just like i'm gonna sell real estate and not take anyone's advice um no i, th I don't think i've ever really um I've, again i'm never good enough so i'm always taking people's advice i'm like tell me how to be better mm -hmm. and i think that was something that always I wanted to be better. I was always driven to want to be better because I thought I sucked so bad. So, which was great, which was, you know, I think kind of a blessing in, in, in a way. Um, so yeah, I, I gravitated to people I wanted to be like, mm -hmm. you know. Sometimes it was the drug dealer down the street in early days, you know. I get that. Yeah. And sometimes it was, um, the guy that was doing really well in real estate. Mm -hmm. And I just started to see what are their habits. And this is why, and they gave me that. And they asked me, and I asked, and they told me. So that's why when you asked me to sit down on this podcast, I was like, of course. Because it was so, it was given to me. And I love your answer. You, I messaged you on Facebook, and you just said, love it. And I was like, I dig that. You didn't ask why, you didn't ask why, you just said, love it, and that was it. Yeah. And well, and again, I'm an egotistical prick, so I want to. I love hearing myself talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't we all? <laughs> Maybe that should be on my label. Uh, an egotistical prick that loves to hear himself talk. <laughs> Maybe some of your exes can just say that for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just ask these certain people and they will tell you. Yeah. Well, and luckily, I'm not that person today, and luckily, I continue to not be that person. I think Winston Churchill says, no man ever steps in the same river twice because, for one, he's never the same man, and for two, it's never the same river. You know, I don't, and I guess I'm paraphrasing what I, how I interpret yeah, my experience. Yeah, it's not right in front of you, but yeah. I think I get what you're putting down. Yeah. Cool. We're done. It's up to you, man. You wanna? Um, you got anything? Any? No, I think the only other thing that I'd want to add is just uh, um, like I'm just glad that you're doing this, Robert. I'm glad that your ability to um, ask hard questions and and um, be vulnerable yourself on stepping out of your comfort zone to ask people to see if they have something that they want to share and be willing to to do that with for no money and no sense of of growth or or no sense of ego but just to be able to give back to people in a in a large format through a podcast or through whatever it is that you can do i think that's really admirable and i hope you continue to to do that and, and if there's any way I can help you achieve whatever your goal is um, I'd be honored to so oh, thank you Dylan um, there is one thing that I wanted to ask you that I forgot until right now because I'm always thinking about myself when other people are talking <laughs> uh, if, so for you know someone start you know a young entrepreneur someone's like 15 16 maybe even 20 25 someone my age what 
is one or three pieces of advice that you would give them? Um, through my experience in becoming an entrepreneur and, and, and building businesses is look at all your failures as a success. There's a book called Go For No that says, I need this many no's to get the yes. So be happy when you get the no. Keep going for the no. Because that's one step closer to success. Mm -hmm. I don't know where I read this, but one out of five businesses make it. So I need to make five businesses, and I'm kind of half retarded, so I need to make 10 businesses right? <laughs> yeah. to make one work. Yeah. So um, I probably shouldn't say the word retarded on a podcast because it's probably not politically correct. It's fucking 2019 now, 2016, go fuck themselves. <laughs> I fuck them. <laughs> I love it. So yeah is just move forward just little baby steps don't let things stop you from where you want to get and even if you're just inching forward even if you're taking four steps backwards and one step forward just keep trying um i don't know how many times i've in my businesses that something came across that i was like this i suck i might as well shut it down you know well screw it throw it out the window but I just got a little bit better the next day, a little bit better the next day, a little bit better the next day. And show that and prove that and, and ask for help. You know, ask for help. Um, I think that would be another thing is um, don't, you don't, like the human condition is if you come to someone and say, I need your help. Like we want to help. Like I love being able to meet with you. I mm. love being able to help someone. And if you want to master something, teach it. Mm -hmm. you want to become a master of it teach it give it to someone else I think there are no secrets in business because by the time you give the secret away there's a new secret so move on give it away freely come from contribution don't go. take give what goes around give. comes around what's that what goes around comes around in a positive way yeah yeah I think uh, I think that if you believe that yeah. if you believe that you know what I mean? I think we're really, really a lot of our victimhoods is what do we believe. Mm -hmm. And again, I keep going back to the I'm not good enough. I believed that for many, many years. And today, do you believe that you're good enough? Yeah. And today. Today. It might right change now, tomorrow. <laughs> it might change in 15 minutes. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you know. But right now, yeah, I believe I'm good enough. And, and thankful to you that, that you think that I have something worth hearing. You know, and maybe I do, maybe I don't, maybe, you know, someone's going to be like, this guy's racist and, or, or what, what is it, not politically correct by saying the word retard. Or, well, that, and maybe they, maybe uh, they do. That person could be jerking off in a corner just being a keyboard warrior right now. So, <laughs> whatever, yeah. I might not say that. That might piss some people off, but I don't really care. Yeah, you better edit some of that. <laughs> <laughs> or not. Or whatever. Not. You know, it could go bad. Whatever. It's a learning curve. Yeah. Um, all right, Dylan. Well, you have an awesome uh, trip this weekend. Where are you going? Uh, West Yellowstone. We're just going to do some snowmobiling. And West Yellowstone. Enjoy some uh, some hot water and some cold water. You know, the yeah. life, uh, the luxury, the luxury, if I can say it, luxurious life of owning your own business. Take an early weekend and be gone for four days. Turn off your phone and... Yeah whatever cool well thank you dylan yeah thank you appreciate it